Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we go into the bank holiday weekend, really gorgeous photographs in all of the papers uh, today of the Irish footballers uh, making their return home to Dublin's O'Connell Street after taking part in what is the biggest tournament in football in the world, the Republic of Ireland women's team came back from the FIFA Women's World Cup as winners. And they really did come back as winners in the eyes of uh, the nation. And it seems the crowd absolutely erupted when the captain, uh, Katie McCabe, uh, told them that it was an honour to lead out the, ta- the team. Uh, Katie, who gave Ireland its first ever goal at a major tournament, she'll go down in history for that. She said, never in all my wildest wildest dreams did we think that this would be possible to be stood here on O'Connor Street in Dublin as a team coming back from a World Cup with all of the support and she said it's absolutely incredible and as I say great photographs and lovely to see photographs of young girls who can now dream of one day maybe being on that stage and doing something similar. And let's say let's stay with the congratulations. And this was some Cork ladies who had some lovely wins yesterday, picking up the top prizes at the Galway uh, races yesterday. Of course, was Ladies' Day, and the best dressed uh, lady was one of our own. It is Marita's McCarthy, who is from Douglas. And she walked away with the top prize yesterday of €10,000 after impressing the judges. I saw her on the TV yesterday and I saw photographs um, online. It's a red and gold ensemble and it very much celebrated her Filipino heritage. It was just a stunning outfit and really, really uh, stood out. And actually... Um, uh, Marisa's yesterday, obviously, when she was asked about her outfit, she explained that she'd been home in the Philippines for Christmas and that's when she actually purchased uh, the outfit. And then she went to a local uh, hat designer, Elizabeth Christina Design in Cork, to come up with her hat. However, the, the hat almost didn't make it to Ballybrit in Galway after one of her cats took a fancy to it. She said about five days before the races, her cats got into the box and chewed some of the parts of the hat. So she had to get back on to Elizabeth, the designer, uh, who luckily was able to fix it uh, for her. So uh, Marisa's is a cardiothoracic nurse. She works at Cork University uh, Hospital. And uh, she said she did have some high hopes heading into Ladies' Day but she had absolutely no expectations of winning the top prizes. She thought it would be an honour if she got picked 
if for, as a finalist but couldn't believe where her win because it was her first ever uh, time at the Galway races because there's a lot of women go to these events and they literally go from one best dressed ladies event to the next one to the next one and you know they're almost professionals at, at it but it was Marita's first time in Galway so congratulations and the outfit was absolutely stunning but then it was a double win for Cork because the best hat prize was won by Anne-Marie Corbett from uh, Mitchellstown. The win- win- her winning headpiece was a striking autumnal arrangement. It was beautiful. It was oranges and reds and yellow flowers. It was fantastic. And Anne-Marie said it- it's called a firecracker hat. Great name, great description for the hat. And she said the minute she saw it, she knew that it was a show-stopping uh, piece. It was designed by a Galway uh, milliner, Moy Cullen-based milliner, uh, Emily Jean. But well done to Anne-Marie Corbett because she walks away the prize for the best hat is €3,000 and she said she's thinking of reinvesting the €3,000 winnings in another hat. <laughs> don't know if I've been €3,000 in a hat but well done Anne-Marie stunning stunning hat and you pulled it off so well so that's our two Cork ladies doing extremely well yesterday at the Galway races 0818-103-103 now yesterday on the comment line Eddie one of our listeners came on and Eddie wanted to talk about the what he feels is a lack of respect on our roads. And he's noticed that it's getting worse of uh, late. And in particular, he was talking about people that are out walking. Obviously, at this time of the year, uh, when the, the showers ease off, you get a lot more people out walking on the roads. And he was saying that they don't walk in single file. And he finds it really, really frustrating when he is driving on the roads, particularly some of the narrow country roads, that people don't go, get, go into single file and pull in right against the grass verge to allow cars to pass. And then he also mentioned cyclists. And he said cyclists also are notorious for not pulling in when there's cars behind them, making room for the cars to over- overtake. And he reckons it's a lack of respect and a little bit of common decency. And so we chatted about that yesterday. Now, towards the close of the programme, we got a flurry of commentary in that I wasn't able to get around to. But as I do promise everyone, if we don't get to all of your texts and comments throughout the day, I do promise we do read them all when we, when we come off air. So just a selection of some of the ones that came in yesterday. A texter was on to say, Eddie, who you spoke with, is absolutely right. Sunday morning cyclists and Sunday morning runners won't move in for any drivers. Has anybody else noticed that it's particularly bad on a Sunday for cyclists and runners out on the road and they don't pull in for cars? Someone else says, Patricia, the reason cyclists and pedestrians do stay two and three abreast is because they feel it's safer and it then makes the car pass them out properly as if they were passing out a slow moving vehicle. If cyclists and our pedestrians went into single file, then some motorists try to squeeze past them, even if there's another vehicle coming towards them. So there's a listener who, who deliberately walks two and three abreast or would cycle two abreast and feels it's the safest way uh, to do it. And a West Cork listener says, Hi Patricia, I agree wholeheartedly with your listener, Eddie, who has reached out about behaviour on our roads. I drove from West Cork to Cork City on Monday and thankfully I don't have to witness what I saw too often. Those that share the road with us need to be reminded that a stop sign actually does mean stop. 
And it's not okay to continue driving out onto a busy main road with multiple oncoming cars in their view. Inside the yellow line by the ditch, by the way, is not a lane. Walkers on our streets need to be reminded also that a pedestrian crossing doesn't give you automatic right to just cross the street. West Cork listener says, when I was growing up, we stood at the pedestrian crossing to make oncoming cars aware that we wanted to cross the road. We waited for the cars to stop and then we walked across the pedestrian crossing. I haven't heard of any changes to the rules around pedestrian crossings, but people today tend to walk out regardless of a driver seeing them or not. Thank you, Patricia, and your listener, Eddie, for bringing light to the latest behaviour on our road. Um, keep up the good work, and that's from a West Cork uh, listener. Yeah, and the pedestrian crossing was always the, you know, the the safe place, stop and wait, the Brendan Grace song that we we all learnt. I think children still learn it today, that song about, you know, how to cross the road and you got to look up and down and keep watching. That's the code, that one. That's the one that should, that's meant to be in place for pedestrian crossings as well. So there's no that that as a pedestrian crossing, people just automatically walk out as if they have a divine right and they don't wait for cars to stop. And then one final one says, Hi Patricia, recently we were nearly knocked down, even though we were standing in well on the verge but owing to overgrowth we couldn't move in any further I did ring Cork County Council I spoke with a lady engineer who promised to contact me guess what I am still uh, waiting so people do need to be aware of that as well that a lot of the grass margins are overgrown and the hedgerows are overgrown that it isn't always possible for a walker or, or indeed a cyclist to get in as you know as close to the to the verge close to the edge as they can because of the conditions of the overgrowth. So I think drivers need to be aware of that. Some of your comments in on people showing lack of respect on the roads. A couple of people are picking up on the texter who said the reason why cyclists and pedestrians stay two and three abreast is because they feel safer. And then if a car is going to overtake them, it makes sure that they pass them out as if they were passing out a slow-moving vehicle, whereas this listener felt if they were in single files, cyclists and motorists then, or cyclists and pedestrians then a car will try to squeeze past them even if there's a car coming the other way. Somebody from Newmarket wants to point out could you tell that listener it's illegal for cyclists to cycle three abreast but somebody else said I have passed cyclists who are cycling three abreast and guess what I was the one who ended up in the ditch on the other side. I cycle myself but I always cycle in single file. A bunch of cyclists spread out across one side of a country lane. If you go to overtake you end up in the ditch on the other side. So yes, I leave little room between me and them, says the West Cork listener, because I want to avoid ending up in the ditch on the other side. Hi Patricia, I find the huge SUVs are a huge problem on our roads, especially on our country roads, would others agree? The size of some of these SUVs, they block the view of other drivers and I'd say the people driving them can't actually see cyclists and pedestrians. I can also just imagine the pollution these large SUVs must be causing. They really need to be reduced on our road or else they should be slapped with much higher road tax 
just for the amount of room they take up on the roads. I know that was a suggestion a couple of weeks ago when they were looking at the government are going to have to come up with ways if everybody switches over to electric cars. They were saying the government have to come up with ways of, you know, making up the shortfall in excise duty on petrol and diesel. And one of them was the taxation of large cars on a road and SUVs uh, did get mentioned. So I think listener probably will be pleased to hear it was looked at taxing them. So how do you feel? Do we have too many huge SUVs on our road? Do we need to reduce them? And it was one way of trying to reduce them by paying a much higher road tax for the people that do decide to buy and drive an SUV. 0818 103 103. Today is our final day with our competition with the Cork Opera House and we're celebrating the fact that Lord of the Dance is uh, in its 25th year this year. It first started, Michael Flatley was his follow-up to Riverdance back in 1996 so they're taking a 25th anniversary tour out on the road and they're coming to us here in the Opera House in Cork. They open next Wednesday, that's the 9th of August and they'll open for a five-night uh, run. If you've been to Lord of the Dance before, you'll know what a spectacular spectacular show this is but it's well worth going back because uh, we're promised new staging, new costumes new choreography and cutting edge technology that would not have been available back in 1996 and also I'm told the lighting display is quite remarkable. That's the Lord of the Dance 25th anniversary show opening in the Opera House on Wednesday We will have a question later on on the programme. Your chance to enter be it by text or by WhatsApp will get our fifth and final winner today and then all five names will go into the hat and one will have their prize upgraded which will also include a hotel stay and dinner along with their pair of tickets so stay tuned for that your chance to win tickets to the 25th anniversary tour of Lord of the Dance Too often on the programme we hear from very irate listeners over the issue of dog fouling and dog owners not cleaning up after their pets when out and about for a walk of course the problem of dog poo is not just a cork issue and Waterford County Council have been trying to do their bit to clean up their villages, towns and streets. One councillor leading the charge in Waterford is Councillor John Pratt who joins me this morning. Good morning to you John. Good morning, Patricia. No, I'm very well, thank you. Now, I remember back, it's a couple of years ago now, I think it was 2001, you launched, uh, the council launched a Bagot Binnet uh, campaign. It was launched in, in Ballyduff. How did that campaign go? Look, to be honest with you, we made a good start on it, but then COVID came in and uh, it kind of it kind of lost track a little bit, if we're honest with you. And, you know, we had three communities involved in it. We had Callow, Lismore and, uh, and Belly Duff. Like, we were all kind of coming together as communities with the same issue. But we did try it. We went out. We sort of, um, I suppose it's, it's education and that and letting people know that, not that they don't know that there's serious issues out there and asking for their cooperation and trying to help us uh, stop this issue but look as I said we sort of started well but like a lot of the campaigns unfortunately you kind of get so much you you do get a buy-in for a while and for some reason it just seems to slide away again. They lose its momentum and what did you do? You put up signage you, you did the stencils wasn't it? Was it stencils on the footpath? We put stencils in a lot of different places yeah. we had you know the bag had been a campaign we had a couple, you know photographs and we were trying to kind of just talk to a few people about you know kind of I suppose uh, I can get, there, get them to buy into it and uh, as I said it, it, it did work for a while you could see improvements it's amazing for the short term but then I said COVID set in and it sort of it sort of just slipped away and, and we you know 
maybe some of our own fault as well. But I think when COVID came, people found it even getting the same people who were back voluntarily doing this even became a, became a chore as a manager. Do you get many complaints from local people about the problem, John? Look, it's continuous, to be honest with you. Look, I'm here in Tallow and um, like the, even what we'd call the, the, the my Prendergast Road, which is the school road, like, is, is, is terrible at times. Yeah. Know, and, like, where children are going up, going to school, where you have a great walking area as well, so you have buggies, you have wheelchairs. And it's disgusting, to be honest with you. And look, we, we've, and we've got prisons of club ward on occasion trying to just be in the locations and it isn't even just about even initially to say we're here you know, they can approach people and talk to them and say look you know have you got the, as you know you can ask now anyone that's walking a dog you know have you got your bag and your picker like in order to to, 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 to support have it on their person as well as they, as they go about their their walks but um, yeah it, it's, it's horrendous Now in, in fairness you know I mean most dog owners are responsible but it's it's the few isn't it that just ruin it for everybody a hundred percent, and it's very important that we say that. As well. I'm glad you said that because the vast majority are. And to be honest with you, some of the very good owners are even feel guilty. They feel even though they're doing the right thing, they're wondering or people think that they're the thing that they're doing. It. So I've had that conversation even on occasions, you know, and and they are. And and look, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it, it's a shame to see that when you do bring when you have a dog, a dog, you it's your responsibility. You bring that dog for a walk. It's your responsibility to clean up after them. And, doesn't take that long and I know in the past there would have been issues where they say if you haven't dug in no I did find it small dog bins put in on some of the routes as well and unfortunately there wasn't a great buy into it because they would say you can use the normal bins along the routes as well and that, that the council workers wouldn't have time to be to be going to extra bins to be you know, there's all these different issues and then they say why don't the community do that and I don't think any community people want to be picking dog poo out of a bin that's not necessarily what they put down the hospital. Mm. You know, I mean, my answer on all of that is bring it home with you, John. I mean, we're not, we're not yeah, asking you to carry 10 kilos of dog poo back home with you. You know what I mean? You're it's not a, that far from home either. Yeah, it's okay. a little bag. Just bring it home with you. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, it just, it, to me, it just um, uh, defies logic. You've looked into, and this is something that I don't know how many times listeners suggested, uh, why don't we look at this DNA-based tracking system? You started looking in, into that, uh, and I believe it's, it's, it's about to be rolled out in parts of the south of France. See, I think the biggest issue with the DNA, it, it, it's a fantastic idea. There's no doubt about it. But I suppose realistically, you know, there's in the region of apparently a half a million dogs in the country and they're, you know, licensed. And that would mean there's probably an awful lot more. So we'll just say if we were talking about county water, it's definitely talking about 10,000 plus dogs. And that's only, you know, these are only figures, you know, there's probably more. And the, the reality is the cost in probably delivering this would be phenomenal. Plus, legislation would have to change accordingly as well. Um, I suppose, like, what I would kind of say is it would be great if a pilot programme could be carried out in a specific area to see the potential of it and, and the cost involved in it, because obviously it will require testing as well and it will require more personnel. So if it's not bought into by, by government, you're not going to be able to deliver it either, you know. Yeah, and the and the only way for it to work is it is total buy-in. Like every dog has to be microchipped, and every and and through the microchip system, their DNA 
has to be taken. 100%. I mean, like if you talk, then I don't know the same way, but like we two dog wardens go from the city and county. So like, you know, even to get a dog warden to come to your it's, it's difficult to open. They're doing the best that they can, but that's what we have, two dog wardens. So, as I said, it would take a big buy-in. See, what, what would probably happen if we're honest, Patricia, right? And, and as I said, I would love to do a pilot program on this in some location. When people might realise the cost involved in actually delivering it, you would hear very quickly from other people, and I do think it's a terrible, terrible, you know, it shouldn't be happening, it needs to be tackled, that that money should be spent in health or that money should be spent in health. You know what I mean? Because mm. I think it could, like, it, it could go into the millions if not further afield, I would imagine, and I mean, that's not some scientific <laughs> that I know anything about, like, but I'm just, I will All we just need is for people, for a bit of common sense, for people just to, it, it, yeah. re, it really is, it is frustrating. I do think you've hit on uh, one of the issues and we certainly have it here in Cork as well. We don't have enough dog wardens. We simply don't have enough dog wardens. I think if more people were prosecuted. That would be my initial call if I'm honest with you. And that's exactly, I even spoke to someone in the environment section yesterday and I said, look, I think the main thing here is that Initially, let's get more dog wardens, find a way to employ more dog wardens in every county and be, you know, go out there and actually tackle the issue. Um, as I said, they can approach people who are walking their dogs and as they, you know, they can ask, have they got, you know, your bag, have you got your picker? And initially, I would say it's a shame that you have to do that. But even if it's to say, look, you know what I mean? You know, you haven't got it now. The next time I'm around, I hope that you you'd have it with you, and I expect that you know mm. zero zero tolerance on this particular issue. Yeah, yeah. I think if people got fined or people heard about other people getting fined, I think they might be pretty quick about cleaning up after their uh, dog. And we can be very thankful, John. And I know you've got a lot of really good uh, local tidy towns group in Waterford, as we have here in Cork. We can be very thankful uh, to them because they have the. And I often hear from members of tidy towns groups when they're out cleaning up on the side verges. Uh, people will go to the bother of having their bags with them, picking it up, and then just dumping the bag with the, with the with the dog dirt into the ditch. That's yeah, completely different. I've, I've seen occasions where they hang it, and oh. they, they pick it up, and they actually hang oh. it on, on a branch or something that's outside of a walkway. We've a lovely walkway here in the Ramporean here in Tallow as well. And there's been occasions where people might go to the bother of picking it up, but they could actually hang it. What, making it easier for somebody to, to pick it up for them and dump it for them is this? Is, and and as you said, it, it, it is the likes of the tidy towns, as you said, were doing phenomenal, phenomenal work. The, the reality is that they see that as much as they shouldn't have to, they will do it and they will put it away because that's the kind of people you have in tidy towns. You know, they actually will, will get rid of it, you know. Which yeah, is, oh, yeah, but listen, we can be yeah. very thankful to those tidy towns groups. Mike in Bantry said dog fouling on a beach is much worse. That That is another huge, huge issue. And I always worry about the dog, you know, people that leave their dogs off on the beach and don't clean up after them. You have little children coming to play in the sand. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, do know, I do know the beach bylaws would mean between certain times of yeah. the day you wouldn't be able to be, have your dog on the beach as well. Like that's obviously another issue. And, but you will um, still but find... But you have to pick up after them when they are on it, obviously. Yeah, but you will still find dog fouling. On, on and they, they, they're meant to be on the lead as well. Like yeah. even if they are on the beach, they they're, they're, they're on the lead. They're not allowed to. They're not meant to be allowed to roam freely either.
So that's yeah. another 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 day's work and another issue, really. Okay, keep flying the flag, uh, John. Eventually, people hopefully will uh, start to uh, listen. And while we have you on the line, from oh, just one sec, John wants to get yeah. in on this. Just just stay there. John wants to get in on this uh, conversation. John is on uh, five. Uh, good morning, John. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? You're listening to me talking to Councillor John Pratt from Waterford on dog fouling. Yeah, I am indeed. And I agree with everything he says because there's, there's a health hazard as well, obviously, like, I mean, for young kids and everything, right? And it's not nice for people, like, I mean, that if you don't realise it, you walk into it and you bring it into your house or something, you know. But um, outside my house, there is a green, a large green. And if I'm going up the road, I have to walk through the green. If I'm going down, I can use a pass. But most people, which is when their, their dog just do their business on, on the greener side, my whole side, they pick it up. But there was one, I couldn't find out who was doing it. There was one always seemed to be there and just, just not picking it up. So one of the neighbours told me who was doing it. So what I did, I picked up what she had left behind. I put it into the little doggy bag. I found out where she was living, not too far. I went up, I knocked at the door, she opened the door, and I said, I've got a delivery for you, Mrs. She says, what's what delivery? I didn't order anything. And I said, this is the delivery, Mrs. I'm just handing you back what your dog left in my green. <gasps> and she, she took it, uh, she, she was actually so bewildered. She took it out of my hand, and she says, oh, thanks very much. Well, I said, that's grand. And <laughs> I, 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 I would thank you when your dog, I said, no, you no, not to be selling my green tea. So do I want to have to be returning this again to you? So uh, since that, she passes my green down, I see her. Either the dog gets constipated when he's passing my green, but he doesn't seem to go there anymore. <laughs> well, well, that was very brave of you, John. Well, you see, I think, like, I mean, just like your, your other guests on there, I mean, people should remonstrate with people, like, especially if it's outside your property, right? Yeah, yeah. You should see it. More people should say, excuse me, I mean, are you going to leave that there? You know, have you got no bags? And if they have no bags, then they say, well, look, I'll pick it up or whatever, but the next time I don't want to see your dog leaving your mess behind. It's not my mess, it's your dog's mess. Yeah. People should remonstrate I think, more. I, think, yeah. well I think, John, there as well, like, people do approach people at times as well, you know, but I've heard of occasions when they've gotten them based for even having the cheek to approach people and, and suggest that they should pick it up, you know, even though it was theirs in the bus. Yeah, some, yeah. You know, some people but, but don't take kindly. Some people no. don't take kindly. Uh, John in the city, thanks a million for that. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Councillor John Pratt, just before I let you go, an All-Ireland weekend, uh, Cork versus Waterford, the uh, All-Ireland Senior Camogie final. Are the flags out in Waterford? The flags are out and um, I'm, I'm, out, I'm off there myself on Sunday with the God and we, 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 we get on very well out Waterford and Cork but I have to be shouting strongly for the day so this time for hopefully at first I think it's their first since 1945 to be in, a, in all Ireland final so I look at rooting for the girls and hopefully we can bring back the, the cope. And, and good uh, good to hear that you've all the flags out because we're, we're doing a big push to try to get more flags out here in Cork but may the best team win on, on we'll Sunday. All be fri- we'll all be friends there. Absolutely, sure. absolutely. <laughs> Listen John, pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that.
Thanks very much. And thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. That is Waterford uh, County Councillor John Pratt on the issue of dog fouling. And in particular, he's looking for the DNA uh, just to look at it, even though he does accept it's going to cost a huge uh, amount of money. Joe and Kilmaddox says we have people with dogs who do pick up the dog poo, but then they just throw it in the bushes or leave it on the lovely flowers, which were arranged by the tidy towns. For God's sake. Yeah, that's the, the what John was talking about. They hang it up. You know, they they bring out their dog poo bags with them and then they just hang it up for somebody else, obviously. I'm assuming that's why they leave it hanging up. Somebody else will uh, pick it up for you. Mandy in Crosshaven said this has been trialled in uh, Spain. Uh, so why not trial it here? It's been done and we keep hearing excuses. But if other countries can work on DNA tracing, then Ireland should be able to do it uh, as well. John and Skibbereen said, are you for real talking about DNA tracing of dog poo? Talk to anyone in labs. How will this work? Will there be separate labs working on this? Well, obviously, there'd have to be separate labs uh, working on it. But the only way it works is if there's total buy-in. You need every single dog's DNA uh, in the country in order for, for it to work. But I suppose you could do it on a local level. I mean, that's what they're trying to do in the south of France. They've, they're announcing a two-year pilot uh, programme uh, where they're getting all of the local dogs, they're getting all, all of the dogs microchipped and the pets' genetics. They're, they're getting their, D, their DNA and um, then if there's any dog fouling found they'll have this, every dog will have to have this genetic passport and they'll be able to trace it. So I suppose on a local level uh, you could do it, but you do need a total buy-in. Would it cost a lot of money? Yes, it would. Would you need separate labs set up? Of course you would. A couple of your comments on dog fouling. Hi Patricia, listening to your discussion on the issue of dog litter. I am a dog owner and I fully agree everyone should pick up after their dogs. I always pick up after mine. One thing though I would like to highlight though is the lack of public bins. I do bring it home home with me when I'm not able to find a bin but it can be very unpleasant to be carrying dog litter for two to three kilometres while you're walking the dog because you simply can't find a litter bin to place it in. What bothers me more is having to bring it home in my car if I've driven somewhere to take the dog for a walk. I find it all quite disgusting but so I do understand why some people decide to throw the bag in the ditch or wherever because they don't want to bring it home in their car. Hi, Patricia, says uh, Jim. Well done to John O'Donovan in the city. And good to shame that lady by returning her dog dirt. Can you ask him how is this chaperoning of elderly people going? He's off the line. You know, I, I, I spoke with John about that before. Uh, I, I will certainly check back in and see how it's going. And someone else says that man, this is Councillor John Pratt or the John O'Donovan, I'm not too sure, is right about dogs on greens. Some people do pick up and then hang their poo bag on branches of trees or stick them into neighbours' hedges. Don't they realise how disgusting this behaviour is? Yeah, and it goes back again <clears throat> to leaving somebody else clean it up. Hi Patricia, I go camping and it's awful when fellow campers let their dogs foul and don't clean up and just leave it there. I have dogs, we take our dogs with us and we never go anywhere without our poo uh, bags. Hi Patricia, my wife and I do a lot of walking, particularly around the Glantan, Lombardstown area where we're lucky to have good footpaths but afraid to report people have absolutely no respect when it comes to dog fouling on the footpaths also the local GAA pitch they have signs up saying no dogs allowed guess what people simply ignore the signs and a final one Patricia listening to your conversation on dog poo 
What about cat poo? No one ever talks about that. Every morning I have to clean cat poo from outside my front garden and guess what? I don't even own a cat. 0818103103. Some of your thoughts and comments coming in on that topic. Now I want to move to a completely different topic because Kay in the city has contacted us. Uh, Good morning to you, Kay. Good morning, Patricia. You are suggesting a referendum to make sure that water stays in public ownership. Explain to me why. Why? Well, at the moment, the the, the, the Ishka Aaron workers are out on strike because they're um, being they're being removed from the council. Um, as well as that, there's a referendum coming up very soon, and this is the ideal time to nationalise Irish water because if the government sell off Irish water, they'll have no control over it. It will be like the energy bills. The gas and electricity, they have no no control whatever over the prices that are being charged. So people would want to get in contact with their TDs and everybody now and speak up that we want to get our, our water nationalised. And by having a referendum, you then place it in the constitution and the only way that it could be sold off is it would have to go back to the people. Exactly, yes. I think Irish water belongs to Irish water, oh, oh, to Irish people. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and it's... I think they should not be sold off. And if you could, I suppose we, we could look to our closest neighbours in the UK and draw some comparisons because it was in 19, I had to do a bit of research on this, it was in 1989, it was a Conservative government led by one Margaret Thatcher. She, oh, yeah. she sold off, at the time was the publicly owned water and sewerage system in England and the UK, now it was £7.6 billion at the time. And, at, and she, the reason she did it, she said, and put it into private ownership, she reckoned there'd be a new era of investment they'd be improved water quality and it would help bring down uh, bills where people say that that didn't happen and and while water has vastly improved there are still issues with some supplies and now there are talks in the UK for renationalisation of water so they're kind of looking at we made a mistake let's change our minds Oh definitely and we, we made a mistake when the government sold off the electricity and gas supplies it shouldn't have happened because they've no control at all over it. And the same will apply to the water. So it's very important that people realise what's going on and speak up now and ask for the nationalisation of the water to be added to the referendum. But do we need more investment in our water structure? I mean, how often do you hear me talk about another burst pipe, another burst pipe, and people are without water because of burst pipes? And well, Ishka Aaron are doing the best that they can, but we need a lot of money invested into our water system. I know system. Ishka Aaron are doing their best, and it does need more investment. Now, taxpayers have always been paying for water through their general tax and motor tax and everything else. If it came to it, I mean, the government has a lot of extra billions now. Yeah. The least they could do is update our water infrastructure. Actually, you know, I've, yeah, I, you know, I think you're right on that. We're, we're awash with money. And yes. they say that they don't want to put it into like giving extra money to social welfare recipients every week because that'll be an ongoing expense. So they want yes. it for one-off projects. What well, better one-off project would there be than updating all of our water? Exactly. It's very important, yes. What would be your view, though, on water charges? Well, I don't agree with high water charges, but what I'm trying to say is we have always paid for water through, our ordinary, through all the other taxes that we're paying. Indirectly. Indirectly, yeah. 
I mean, I suppose people wouldn't mind um, a, a few euro extra in the tax if necessary, but keep it at that because we're already paying for it. And money is being wasted in many other fields that could be used for the water. Yeah, and of course, whenever we mention water and water charges and people paying for water, we were never to be to get people in rural areas saying, what are you talking about? We already pay for our water. We had to sink all our own wells. And Oh, they, they so, do, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, OK, so we've a, we've a referendum coming up. It's to do with, part of it is to do with the women in the home a bit. Yes. Um, so there will be a referendum and it's always a good time. If you have a referendum, you can put another one in at the same time. Exactly, because there mightn't be another one for ages. Yeah. And now is the time to do it. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, Kay. Good suggestion. Thanks, right. uh, Thank thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye. Would others agree that we should ha- hold a referendum which would then put the ownership of water? It would belong to the state and it would be enshrined in our constitution and therefore the only way that it could be sold off like what they did in the UK would be to have to go back to the people. Would you be in favour of that? Or could you see the other side of privatising it like what Margaret Thatcher suggested doing because of all the investment, you know, private <coughs> private money would go into it. And I mean, there was a lot of money. Uh, Water UK, which is the industry body which represents um, the companies that own the water in England on the 30th anniversary of privatisation, which was in 2019. They said that water in the UK had vastly improved uh, with a fall in supply problems, a fall in pollution and leaks. There was 160 billion worth of investment went in over the decades. But of course, the problem is that people in the UK saw their bills for water go up. And I think I was looking this morning before I came on air. I, I don't have it in front of me. I think it's it's about £500 or thereabouts, I think, is on average every year is what Standard House pays for water in the UK. Hi, hi, Patricia. What would Kay suggest for rural people who have their own water supply? If you were to nationalise uh, Ishka Aram, should the rural people be wells? with wells be somehow subsidised but with the exchequer because it would be one rule uh, for people who are getting their water free under Ishkaerin and a different rule for those who have to pay for their own wells. That's the issue. I did raise that issue uh, about uh, people in rural areas who do already pay for their water. Hi Patricia. Yes I agree wholeheartedly with Kay who you've just spoken with. Use our taxes and please do hold a referendum on water. Dare I say it would actually be the first referendum that would actually make sense. I think a lot of people would agree with the referendum to enshrine water in our constitution and make sure it stays in public uh, ownership. And when you're talking about dog fouling, uh, Patricia, when I walk on the beach, the one thing I notice, it's full of soiled nappies which to me has got to be 10 times worse than somebody leaving their dog poo behind. I'm just wondering uh, why people never do anything about that or why that is never highlighted. People leaving dirty nappies behind them buried in the sand. Oh, Goodness me, some people. There's a lot of commentary uh, coming in. Let me just get to some of it. Uh, firstly, uh, I know it's dog fouling and we've been talking about uh, people not having manners on the road and we've been talking about should we nationalise the make sure that water stays in the control of the state. But in the midst of all of that, listen, this morning, Patricia, I, was in, I went into the city and I was outside the Opera House and I will never forget what I saw. Two women fighting. And when I say fighting, they genuinely were fighting. They were boxing the heads 
hands off one another while one was tearing the hair out of the other's head. I was shocked. There was tourists looking on in awe. I won't be going back into the city anytime soon, uh, Patricia. There's no law and order in the city anymore. And would you believe there wasn't a guard in sight? And this punch up between two women, not two men, between two women went on for a good 10 minutes. It really was scary. God, uh, can you imagine what the, the tourists will go back uh, saying? Not the image that you want at the city for sure. Uh, thank you for that. Hi, Patricia. This is on cyclists and on our roads. Patricia, recyclists. What I find so dangerous is a bunch of them together and then a car or a van accompanying them at the rear. Absolutely lethal when a driver comes around a bend and then there they are in front of you. They always seem to be doing it on the Canturk to Mitchellstown Road. West Cork listens says, Patricia, I was driving recently and a speed van overtook me. They were definitely breaking the speed limit and were going so fast. And what was a dreadful day weather-wise and very heavy traffic on the road that day. I was amazed. I do not speed and I thought this was utter hypocrisy. They're only interested in collecting money and not road uh, safety. And that's from a West Cork listener. Martin is in White's Cross. I agree with some of your previous callers, but I feel since the pandemic the standard of driving has deteriorated. Would others agree with Martin? I'm not sure if it's due to the fact that for some people they just weren't out driving on the roads during all of the various lockdowns or could that be the reason? But I do see people driving, particularly in the city. They're weaving in and out of lanes. And by the way, says Martin, nobody seems to know how to stop at a traffic light uh, anymore. They seem to just sail through even though the light is uh, red. And then on dogs, Alison said it was on a beach recently where people were brought their dogs along, left them off the lead and the dogs were running around uh, the beach, which is all well and good. But some of the dogs started jumping and running towards people. Alison said you could actually see people changing their walking route on the beach in order to avoid these dogs. You have to remember that some people may be afraid of dogs. Um, I feel while I'm on the beach, I love to see dogs running around and roaming, but owners really do need to be mindful and make sure that they have their dogs under control. It's unfair to other beach goers. I also witnessed two dogs start a fight at one point. Their owners were chatting away and didn't notice what was going on with their dogs. On dog fouling, this is a Killarney listener, dog fouling is so, so annoying. I notice people uh, in uh, picking up after their dog, but then when they walk through Killarney House, where I'm from, they drop their bag with a knot on the top and leave it either on the pathway or hang it out of a tree. Granted, there are no bins in the park, but there's plenty of bins outside on the street which they'll have to pass on their route home. Why should anybody expect it to pick up after them? And yes, by the way, says this Killarney listener, I am a dog owner. And Anne and Sharon were on to say, Patricia, while you're talking about dog fouling, please highlight Drumahan Park. It is disgraceful. People are not picking up after their uh, dogs. And then on Water K in Cork, this is a different case than one I spoke with, so there's a lot of group schemes around the country. They need bailing out. They do need help. Farmers also use a lot of water and they have to dig their own wells. Uh, So people in rural areas do very much pay for their water. Now let me stay on the topic of water. Tom has contacted us. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. And this is on the privatisation. When I spoke with Kay earlier on, I was saying, well, look what's happened across the water. It was Margaret Thatcher's government decided to privatise it. You've been keeping up to date on the privatisation of water in the UK. You say it's a disaster. It is, yeah. Um, I, I'm an avid BBC4 radio listener. 
Okay. And over the last couple of weeks, uh, even months, it has come to light the amount of pollution that private water companies have caused in the UK is going to cost billions of pounds to clean it up. Not only that, but it has also come to light that uh, in order to pay their their um, their, their, their investors, um, they, they have the a lot of these companies have actually borrowed money from the banks to actually pay the, uh, their investors uh, in, in private water. And uh, uh, the cost of that is constantly being passed on to the, on to the consumer. Uh, and it's, uh, over there, as here, a corrupt system means that, um, you know, when it's, uh, when it's in profit, it's privatized. And when, it, and when it's uh, in debt, it's, it's nationalized. And we will find the very same system here. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at um, uh, Thames Water. They're probably one of the biggest. They're the, yeah. one of the biggest companies. They yeah. actually supply more than a fifth of the UK population with uh, wa- with water. Yeah. Uh, they're in dire financial straits. They, they are, they're they borrowing are. huge sums amount of, of money. Amount of money, yeah. And you know, um, uh, we're constantly talking, uh, paying lip service here to being a republic. Well, in a republic, the resources. And the country belongs to the people. But what we forget about the UK, that as a citizen of the UK uh, and the property of the UK is actually the property of the Crown. And we should be holding our resources in our own ownership. We should not be allowing it to be passed on whatsoever. Um, and it's, it's the lady made a very good point there about the referendum. Uh, we, were, we as a people, since the foundation of this state, have continually surrendered the control and the ownership of the state into a small group of hands, uh, particularly politicians and their business friends. And we should not allow this to happen. Certainly now, not. I mean, and we've seen it with others. I mean, we've seen, I mean, with electricity, that was once under state control. Yes. Look what happened to our sugar. Sugar it's was sure. under state control. We've lost it completely. Lost, it's gone. We lost that. As a matter of fact, since the break, I, I reckon uh, uh, one of the best companies that this country ever produced was the, was the ESB. And we have allowed it under the corruption of Europe to be, to be split up and for private competition to come in against it. As a company operating on its own, I know it had a, mon- a monopoly, mm. but it, was, it, it actually served the people very, very well. Yeah, and we, but then we were told competition is good. But the, it's they, not good. The consumers will benefit. We've never paid so much for electricity. Just by the way, I'm just, just seeing this on, on, online about Thames Water. Um, they've been trying to raise an additional one billion from their shareholders and their shareholders include a Canadian pension fund and sovereign wealth funds in China yeah. and in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. And obviously the investors are saying, sod this, we've given you enough. <laughs> we we you want know, our money back. Do you know that one of the biggest companies in the world has been trying to buy into water for some time? And you, I bet you, you, use, you use their products every single day and they're called Nestle. And Nestle, and the, I know them well. And they're trying to buy into where? What, it, they, they've been trying to get their hands upon privatised water. And oh. do you know that it is a public statement from Nestle that, that a human being is not entitled to drinking water. Wow. It, is not, it is not a human right. We can't live without it. it that's, that's a fact. But big business doesn't see that. Mm. They state, they, and they have stated publicly, that it is not, drinking water is not a human right. Oh, crazy. 
But you see, when businesses get involved, they're in it to make a profit at the end of the day. They might say everything about we're here to look after our customer, yeah. but they yeah. are in it. Now, I'm also interested before I let you go, Tom, because I've just seen on my screen that you once upon a time in a former life, you were a litter warden. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, I, I worked as a, 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 then I was promoted. I got a position of a, a local government officer, but I was still responsible for the Litter Pollution Act and the Waste Management Act and the, the, uh, as well. People and, uh, throwing their dog litter into the ditch thinking, Asher, I've put it out of the way. Is that, no, ili- is that illegal? It is illegal. It's actually an offence under Section 3. Not to pick up is an offence under Section 22 of the Act. And uh, to dispose of it after picking it up is a breach of the Act under Section 3.1. So you're not actually circumventing the, the, the law at all. But I'll tell you the problem with operating the Litter Pollution Act. Quite a lot of it has got to, the, 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 why it's not successful. It's got to do with councillors. Because the, because the number of councillors that have made representation both to the county manager and to the, the town clerks when we had town clerks to have fines cancelled for their friends, their business friends and people to know who vote for yeah, them. But isn't, is, yeah, but isn't that all gone? You can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I tell people this and I've do you know the serpent that came down the tree to tempt and corrupt Adam and Eve? Yeah. That was an Irish politician. Ah, stop it. You can't say that. <laughs> that but, was an but, Irish... But go, but, but go back to, isn't the other issue with the litter warden, we don't have enough of them? Not only, yes, we don't. We, we don't have enough and of them. Do and do you have to actually see the dog in yes. doing his business and then the owner walking away? Yes, you do. But you're like, what, are you hiding behind bushes? How, no, how do you do that? They do it, they do it quite, quite openly in front of you. And the one thing I will tell you from my experience is this. The vast majority of people who go out with their dogs on a lead, they go out to use the public space as a toilet for their dogs. And that included politicians, I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, but don't the majority, I mean, I'm always saying, aren't the majority responsible and don't the majority clean up? They don't. They do not. <laughs> do- they stand and they look around and if there's nobody looking at them, oh, they walk no, away. Oh, no, don't tell me that. All right, listen, um, Tom, thank you for that. <laughs> and thanks for joining us. Have a good weekend. You too, uh, bye-bye. Thanks for joining us, bye-bye. Uh, 0818 Please pick up after your dogs and don't be looking around to see that nobody's watching you. Big Brother is always watching you. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103 C103 Jobs Talking of water we're looking for a water filtration engineer it's wanted in West Cork 086 829 Farm worker is wanted it's for a dairy farm in the Canturk area 086 84772275 and healthcare assistants are wanted to work at Nazareth House in Mallow now it's for day and night shifts Full-time and part-time positions are available and applicants must have FeeTech QQI Level 5 in care of the older person. CVs please to hr.mallow at nazarethcare.com. And school bus driver is required for the Kinsale Bannon Spittle area. D-licence required 87 479 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is 
C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. When I happened to be speaking with the Waterford County Councillor John Pratt on the issue of uh, dog fouling, I mentioned at the end of the interview that we have an exciting weekend ahead and he was very excited about Waterford uh, versus Cork in the Camogie All-Ireland uh, final and I asked him, did many people in Waterford have their flags up and he said they did. He said it's a wash with uh, flags. Uh, well, Mary Newman is the Camogie correspondent with the Echo and a big supporter of uh, Camogie. And Mary has contacted us on this issue from a Cork point of view. Uh, good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Patricia. How are you this morning? I, I, I'm well. I, would you be disappointed to hear that Waterford's a wash with flags and there's very few flags up here in Cork? Yeah, I was actually saying it to John Paul yesterday and I was saying it to Murray too as well. You know, it's absolutely, I'm actually disgusted because other years we would have seen the flags out and the red and white, but like, I was looking around yesterday and I was going, my God, there's nothing. I even passed one or two places where with the players, some of the players would be employed and I was saying, hmm, they had flags out last year, there's none out. Like, do you know? Why? I don't watch why? why? I don't know why because... The actual buzz for it is phenomenal. I was down to Crow Park this morning because you know, actually, I'm involved, as you know, with my own club, Glen Rovers, as secretary, and we have two buses and a huge amount of cars going up to support our own Emma Murphy and Cork Girls. And the bus, the girl at Crow Park was telling me the Hogan and the Cusack lower deck are now sold out and they're, they're looking for 30,000 crowds, which will break all records. So I just cannot. I can't understand how the people of Cork haven't got behind the girls because in fairness, we have, you know, the support is out there for them and the hurlers, in fairness, they've been doing videos and Instagrams and asking people to go and support them. And it's huge, but I suppose it's disappointing then to hear as well that there are still county hurling championship matches on a Sunday in Cork. You know? Yeah, that's so, always that's always disappointing. But oh, you know, but, always. but when I was thinking about, you know, I was, you know, it was this morning. I was saying, John Paul, it's an All Ireland, you know, it's an All Ireland final, uh, final Ireland. weekend, and an All Ireland final is an All Ireland final, regardless yeah. of what sport is being played. I mean, if yeah. this was the if this was the boys heading out, we'd we'd, we'd be yeah. falling over in flags. Yeah, and like, look, we're the rebel county, and predominantly you say, oh, that some people might have no interest in hurling football. Cork is. All about GAA games. It's about hurling. It's about football. It's about kabogi, ladies' football. It's what we thrive on. And like, I can't believe. Like, I'm actually now even out around the south side of the city, like out by the CUH. There's not a flag on the Wilson Shopping Centre. There's not a bunting. There's nothing. And I'm going like lads. We had the most of the hurlers, and you know we haven't had much luck putting the most of the hurlers. Like, but not a flag anywhere. There's not a flagpole. And like I know my own club this morning, I know the lads were telling me they're putting the flag out because when the Cork train was passing on Sunday, we were obviously Glen Rovers and the vision, the line of vision, and Jerry was saying, I left the flag out to the dish yeah. from the train. Yeah. And but like, are all the other clubs doing it? Maybe they are. Like we have our bunting up Brema and we have a sign up in the gates, but I see nothing. Have my flags out my park and the only person with them. I out. know, and you know, there's yeah. been so much focus on girls women. and ladies, women's sports yeah. with the with the yeah. football. 
and rightly so. You know, those, you know, the soccer team have got to, you know, work up final yes. that the boys haven't been able to do in quite yes. some time. So th- that's what I'm disappointed about because we were all talking about for little girls how important it is for them yes. to have their heroes and if they if they can see it they can imagine doing it themselves but they need to see it. So they yeah, need I mean, they need to see that the the county is exactly. behind these girls. Yeah, and like Patricia last week, um, I forget what night because the night every night was the same night at this stage. Cork Camogie had a fabulous open night in Castle Road in the Camogie Ground, and it was the amount of boys and girls. It was huge, kids everywhere, red and white. And like I was just saying, like you know, all of these kids, they need to see, they need to see the flags out there. Cork are in the Camogie final. Let's get behind them. And I bet you if they win and they come home to homecoming, it'll be the same. A couple of hundreds will be there Monday evening for them. It's awful. Like it. And then you'll do, do gir- be part of the GAA. Do the, girls talk, do the girls talk about it? Do they, do they reflect on it? Or do they just... Well, they do. I mean, you feel it. As a player, you feel it. And as a mentor. And like, I have been, as you know, for years, I was involved on the county board as a PRO. I was a Cork selector. So was my mum. And, you know, the train was coming to the station and you're looking at the few hundred and you're having a parade through Patrick Street and you're looking and there's a couple of hundred there. And, of course, you feel it because you've been there maybe a few weeks before that and you've seen the hurlers with cows. And people just don't come out. I don't know what it is. But look, I would urge people this morning, today's Friday, dig out those flags, stick them out the window, put them up in your car. I put my car flag up this morning. And, listen. Get out there and then Monday night if Cork win the All-Ireland, get down and welcome them home. Because look, we've been waiting since 2018. We haven't had a boys win for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And look, let's try and bring one back to Cork and it would be brilliant. Like Cork Hobie have already won the under-16 and the minor. It would be a huge achievement if we could make it a treble. Like three All-Irelands in the one year, you know, it would be fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I know Waterford has never won it. And look, if 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 they were in it and they weren't in Cork, I'd love them to win it. But look, you know, we're up against it on Sunday. And, and we're really up against it. And those it. girls have trained so hard. Oh, yeah. my God. Yes, they have. And as well as that, I know a lot of them are going straight into county championships with their clubs, some of them in 10 days' time. And in fairness to them, while they haven't been allowed to train with their clubs, I can only speak for the girl in my club. They're fantastic because there's not a night goes by that she doesn't come down and she's on the sideline with the girls. She goes to all their matches. Well, she's not allowed to play herself. She's there with us. She's bringing on the water. She's doing umpire. Yeah. And these girls are giving so much to their clubs as well. And, you know, they're great role models. I see the kids in our club and they love to see her, man. They love to see her coming down and they love when she's in Hamer Cork and they love to see her. It's such an honour. It's, it's such an honour. And it's to a put great honour for a club to have anybody. Yeah, yeah. Actually, somebody, somebody from Corsi yeah. Rovers says big shout out for Fiona and Saoirse and all exactly. on the Camogie team that's Great from uh, Corsi uh, supporters so the local clubs uh, uh, very much oh, uh, yeah. very much support them and and you reckon yeah. a big a big crowd is going to turn up well really I was absolutely blown away even by my own club because we went to Kilkenny two weeks ago and we said look we'll take all the smallies because they might get a chance Crow Park's five o'clock finally which is going to be a crazy time for an All-Ireland 
we'll go into that another day. But <laughs> yeah, but it's crazy time. Like I, I spoke to two ladies yesterday, won't go too late, walking around Dublin, eight o'clock at night, I know, they said, I forget know. it. But we took a bus to Kilkenny to Nolan Park in the torrential rain, seven and eight year olds. And I said, Grand, no, this crowd not seen Cork Grand. We put up our bus the next day that we were taking the bus to Crow Park and by Monday evening that bus was full, we had to get a second bus and we have a load of cars. It's been a long, long time since we had two big full buses from our club. Full to the rafters. And I know there are cars going and there are parents going for weekends. So the, the interest in a lot in the club is phenomenal. Which is great. It's phenomenal. And, and I know and the it, companies said it as well. And it bodes well for the future, the fact that we had the under-16 and the minor win. I mean, it bodes yes, well yes. Isn't it for Camogie going oh, forward. Oh, yeah. And we have we have two, three in a row. We have four in a row in the minor now and three in a row in six, or four in 16 and three in the minor. Wow. Which is unbelievable. And great credit due to Jerry Wallace and John Maloney and Donny Daly who went before them to bring all these young players through for Cork because we're on a high and Cork Camogie is on a high at the moment, you know. Now, talk, talk, to me, talk to me about your, your views of the match on uh, Sunday. And as, as, as we, as, as we mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, you mentioned it. It's the first time since 1945 that Waterford uh, are in an All-Ireland Senior They Now, Cork bet them in the semi last year, didn't they? Yes, yeah. one point. We hung on by the skin <sighs> of our team. Really. Like myself and Linda Melrick were in the stand of the murder. Let's work on. And Linda kept saying to me, don't panic, don't panic. So we're gone, we're gone, we're gone. But, you know, since the start, of, I mean, Waterford beat us in the in the, in the Munster Championship this year already, and you must remember that. Okay, they were a good team. Already. They were a good team. Yeah, and yeah. I, I I tipped them, and like I don't know, you say, oh, you did, yeah. But all year I've been saying is keep your eye on Waterford. I, I I saw something in them. I think they're a very very balanced team. I think they're they're very hungry. No, we're Cork will be hungry as well. But you know they're good. We won't get this one easy. Like we've beaten Galway, we've beaten Kilkenny, we need, we have to beat Waterford. I mean, we must have huge respect for them, and I think the girls will because I think they know they know the players and they know what they're up against. You know, you know. Could the occasion get the better of Waterford? The fact that you know there's so yeah, much right, right. You know that you know that sometimes can happen. Yeah, it will. You see, it could, Patricia. But a lot of these players, you must remember, have played in Ashburn Cup finals. They've played in, you know, colleges. They've come up the line. A lot of them have played All-Ireland Club Finals with their club in Waterford. The Waterford Clubs have been hugely successful at All-Ireland Club level. They've played junior and intermediate All-Ireland Finals. So they've played in All-Ireland Finals and they know what the... They, they know the feel of Crow Park. They've been there with, at a lower level. So they won't fear Crow Park. But we we have a lot of girls coming into the first the first final as well. You know, it's a very different team to two years ago, even a year ago. There's a lot of youngsters, a lot of youngsters in there with the youth and experience. So look, Waterford won't fear Crow Park. Neither will Cork. <laughs> That's the important part. Okay, so, yeah, the, you know. so the big push now. Come on, folks. You have the flags. The flags are there. They're in the back of the wardrobe. They're up in the attic. Yes. Just get them out for the couple of days in the lead up to the final on uh, Sunday. Okay, so, so are you getting a bus up early, Mary? What time are you heading off? No, we're actually going, our club bus is going at 11, but okay. I'm going on the train. Why? Because if I go on the bus, I'll delay them. They'd be waiting for me about six hours afterwards. With, you know, we'd have a lot of work to do. Right. You know, yeah. with the echo, obviously, we'll be doing the, and we'll be doing, Linda will be doing the reports. Oh, and of course, the, yeah. 
I'll be doing the um, hopefully I'll be interviewing the winning yeah, manager yeah, which will be brilliant which will be brilliant I'll be going down to talk to Matthew and the players and I hope it's not like last year because you know it was hard last year when I had to go down and look into those poor faces and we were after losing and so hopefully hopefully we'll be doing the good stuff but yeah our bus bleeding at 11 and you know all the mentors and the parents they're all heading up early and a lot of people are heading up tomorrow and so look, as I said, best wishes to all the clubs and well done to them for getting the buses. And look, this is a call now to the businesses and the public. Get those flags out of the You had them for the hurlers. Get them out and stick them out and, you know, get them out onto the ceilings and the roofs. And we need to see when we're yeah, put up and put up your... Your, the ones on the car are easy ones uh, to yeah. put up. Um, and uh, Annette in Lyre uh, agrees with Mary. Real lack of Cork flags around the city and, and yeah. town. She's so disappointed with it. She also is very disappointed with the GAA clubs because they are not putting them out. And dear Jim Bandon said, if this was the men's, it would be a different story. There'd be flags oh, everywhere. Yeah. We'd be falling over them. And there'd also yeah, be a lot, a lot more talk about it. All right. Listen, Mary, enjoy the day out. We have fingers and toes and everything crossed uh, for the girls on uh, Sunday. But enjoy your day out as well. Yeah, we will, and hopefully we'll see a big crowd to welcome them home on Monday night. Win, lose, or draw. That's it. Well, we don't want to draw because if it's a draw, I'm not organising any more buses and tickets. It's the win. Ahead, it's the win we're looking for. It's Listen. the win. We're going for the juggler. And look, best of luck to Max, Matthew, and all the girls. They're brilliant. I was down with them last night at the last training session. Just a, clap, a tradition myself and Linda Mellorick have. We go back all the years. We always go the last minute training. And um, we got in despite it being a closed training session. We were in. They leave us in everywhere. So, uh, yeah, so best of luck to the girls and bring it home. All right. Have a great trip, Mary. Thanks for that. And thanks for joining us. Uh, Mary Newman, who is a well-known Camogie supporter, but she's also a correspondent, Camogie correspondent with The Echo. And just, of course, uh, to remind you that if you're not making the trip to uh, Crow Park, uh, we are broadcasting the Camogie Final live here on C103. Supporting Cork all the way in this Sunday's All Ireland Camogie Final C103. And we're stronger when together. Ours to protect. Brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Earth to Protect, we discuss sustainable and ecotourism and how it's possible to look after the earth while still visiting the places you love and supporting local communities. While many of us may consider carbon offsetting while we're travelling, did you know that accommodation is the second biggest hitter in terms of the tourism sector's carbon emissions? Sustainable tourism usually aims to have minimal negative impacts to minimise harm and to optimise economic benefits. Ecotourism aims to extend the positive impacts through a special focus on conservation, benefits for host populations and the education of visitors. Located only 15 minutes walk to Inch Beach in the beautiful East Cork coastal area, Inch Hideaway is a glamping eco-camping that embodies the idea of eco and sustainable tourism. Owner Colleen Phillips explains where the idea for Inch Hideaway came from. We started thinking about it 13 years ago and it was a new thing that was happening and I was living in a yurt at the time and I guess I just really enjoyed living in a yurt and we had built a small house so we were moving into that and somebody said why don't you rent the yurt out to somebody as a kind of short-term let and I thought that's a good idea and I always wanted to run a accommodation or a backpackers or a, um, a hostel of some sort so 
Um, we bought the land and it was too small for a farm and too big for a garden. And that idea seemed to be something that would work. And actually when people came to the site and seeing people use the space, it made sense when people were here. So the whole thing just kind of evolved. There are many sustainable features on site, including a 16 solar panel system that powers all the campsite, off-grid well water system, use of eco-friendly soaps for the facilities and for the laundry, extensive recycling and composting systems, rewilded fields and Irish native trees and more. Inch Hideaway consists of five hand-built yurts and the Wanderley Wagon. Visitors are immersed in nature while still feeling as though they are on a luxurious stay. So we have five different yurts and we have converted bus which we call the Wonderly Wagon. Um, it was a school bus from Bandon so again reusing something that uh, was about to go into a um, landfill pile or a, a, a recycle heap. Um, the yurts are wooden structures, they're round, they have um, capacity of six people inside them and they are usually made out of kind of wood lats on the inside and they're covered in canvas they're insulated and they have uh, heating inside so they're really cozy and um, they all have uh, proper beds in them so it's like camping but it's like five-star camping we try and reuse things and repurpose things because the most energy is put into something that's being made new so if you can find a re like repurpose something and find a different use for something that was kind of our basis of how everything's evolved here and become quite creative and um, it gives everybody a wow factor as well. It's like, what is that? How does that work? So it's kind of fun. It's creative, it's playful and it's using things again, which has been my kind of passion for years. 20 minutes from Inch Hideaway is another sustainable getaway. Ballymaloo House Hotel is a family-owned luxury country house hotel and restaurant nestled in the lush East Cork countryside. An award winner for its sustainable practices, offering a different experience for sustainable tourism followers. Laura Bean is the general manager. Ballymaloo was um, kind of sustainable and, and farm to fork before it was fashionable to be so. Um, so... Um, they've had a uh, biomass boiler since the 80s, um, which heats the whole house, all, all water um, and heating is all heated through a biomass boiler, so no fossil fuels. Um, and then um, very recently, they we've put in solar panels, which does about 50% of the electricity for farm and hotel. Um, so which obviously means that it's all produced on site. Um, and then obviously with the food. So um, when Myrtle Allen started it, it was food that Ivan grew on the farm and brought in and she she cooked and produced um, and then obviously with the local economy it's local farmers um, and local fishermen who who gave the, the meat and, and the fish and that's something that we we still do today so um, we have um, an acre organic walled garden which produces a lot of our vegetables the cookery school just four kilometers down the road would also give us a huge amount of vegetables and fruit as they have an acre under glass which is amazing. The land around Ballymaloo House is sustainably managed with emphasis on biodiversity and nature preservation, which Laura explains. We've several areas that we just manage for biodiversity um, in terms of letting it completely go wild. Um, and we are reintroducing wetlands in the, the front area of the driveway as you come up um, to encourage increased biodiversity there. And then in the winter, we actually give our pool back to nature. And um, it's taken over by the frogs and tadpoles. 
and we even put a little ramp because we've had a, a few accidents with hedgehogs but if we have the little ramp they can get back out so it's all okay and <laughs> um, so we we give the pool back and then before we open it Tobias has to do a big job of relocating all of our lovely frogs which takes him a, a good few days um to to do um because there's hundreds of tadpoles not all of them obviously come to frogs but the ones that do he then relocates to our our two man-made ponds to learn more about sustainable and ecotourism, visit Inch Hideaway or Ballymaloo House online or check the show notes of this episode. And we're stronger when together. Ours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. And well done to Inch Hideaway and Ballymanoo House. It's great to see that you can still have tour- tourism and it can be sustainable at the uh, same time. And our thanks to Mairead at Tuig for presenting this week's Ours to Protect feature. We will have another one at the same time next week. Now, want to get to a comment that came in. This was answering Tom. Tom was on to us who has a... a kind of a keen follower of what's going on in the UK and he's been following the water issue in the UK. They privatised thanks to uh, Margaret Thatcher over 30 years ago and now they're having problems with some of the privatised companies. They're going into, running into financial difficulties and they're trying to up prices for customers and they can only go so high with charging people for water. But Tom then started speaking about the chair, the former, it was, I've now discovered it's a former chairman of the company Nestle and Nestle, it seems, as a company are interested in getting involved in the privatisation of uh, water. And uh, Tom said that the former chairman of Nestle had said that water wasn't a human right. Well, someone who's an employee of Nestle says what Tom is probably referring to is an interview which is really open to interpretation. And it was an interview from a number of years ago, it was back in 2005, by what is now the former Nestle chairman, a gentleman by the name of Peter Brarbeck. Letmat, uh, which has been clarified since. And this employee of Nestle wants to point out that Nestle does employ a lot of people in Ireland and yeah, and there's nothing there and they are a really good uh, company. So didn't I track down what was going on about this former chairman of uh, Nestle? And he passionately believes that water is a human right. He says um, everyone everywhere in the world has a right to clean, safe water for drinking and for sanitation. And he was critical of the use of a video interview that he gave back in 2005 that claimed that he was saying that all water sources should be privatised and he said that was never the case. It was an interpretation of something that he says and he went on to say that he totally supports the United Nations view on water and what is the United Nations view on water? That is that there is enough fresh water on the planet for 7 billion people but it's distributed unevenly and too much of it is wasted, too much of it is polluted and too much of it is unsustainably uh, managed. So this former chairman uh, was appalled by the fact that more than 2 billion people worldwide lack even a simple toilet and more than 1 billion lack access to any kind of uh, improved drinking water on a daily basis. Compare this to life in other countries, I suppose including ourselves, where people can use excess amount of water Water. We never have to think about it, uh, bearing in mind that water is a precarious and increasingly scarce uh, resource and we use it for non-essential purposes. And in that context, the former chair of Nestle, Peter barbach Lamash, uh, argues access to water should carry a cost. 
So that um, was when he said it should carry the cost that people thought that he was saying that every single water supply all over the world should be uh, privatised. So he has discussed on numerous, and I can see numerous, numerous interviews that he is given where he talks about the scarcity of the, of the subject of water scarcity. Uh, in, he gave numerous interviews. He's been on panel uh, discussions and he's never said that it should be privatised. But what he's saying is it should come with some kind of a cost that everybody should be paying in some way for their water. Now, that certainly won't go down well uh, with with Irish people when we look about what happened with water charges in the past. 0818103103. Just on the Camogie, somebody says, Patricia, give a shout out to the Cork Under 14 Development Squads. They happen to be playing in Dublin tomorrow and they're going to the senior uh, Camogie final then on Sunday. And it's great to see those development uh, teams because listening to Mary Newman talking about, you know, All-Ireland wins for the under 16, All-Ireland wins for the minor and they've got a track four and five years uh, in a row for both of those teams. That really bodes well for the future and that's what we need more of. We need more young people coming up getting involved in in the game, playing matches, getting onto those development squads because that's how we find the teams of the future. So glad uh, to give them a shout out. Thank you for your text. And Finbar Sheehan in Mallow. Finbar is uh, well known. He's the bingo caller at Mallow GAA and does a fantastic job every single week. But he's been on just with a bit of an announcement for older people who are going to, who are planning on going to bingo tonight. Bingo's on a Mallow GAA on a Friday night particularly for those people that normally use the lift. Unfortunately, the lift at Mallow GAA is out of order at the moment and the repairs are being carried out, but they won't be carried out in time for the lift tonight. And some people will be fine, you know, with a bit of, they might need to take their time, they'll be able to use the stairs, but not everyone is able to use the stairs. So if you have a mobility issues and you normally use the lift when you go to Friday Night Bingo in Mallow GAA, please be aware that the lift is out of action for tonight. And thank you uh, for Finbar for getting that note into us. And we were talking about the Camogie uh, final and it's going to be broadcast here on C103 on uh, Sunday. When you're tuned to C103, stay tuned after the Camogie match because at 7 o'clock John Green will bring his weekly Where the Road uh, Takes Me and it's a really fascinating uh, and really interesting topic uh, we'll kick off this week if you were ever involved in or played any kind of traditional music back in the 50s or 60s you were very much regarded as being uncool and I think that has changed completely today and I'm glad to hear it's changed uh, completely so between the jigs and the reels it begins this week on Where the Road Takes Me and it's a series that looks at the survival and the revival of traditional music in Ireland. The story will begin in Kilnamana in County Tipperary back in 1745 and then it, it'll work its way through the ages, concentrating in particular on the life of an Anglican minister by the name of Canon James Goodman and he was responsible for collecting and retaining hundreds of tunes that was back in the 19th century so we'll be, we can be thankful to that man for collecting all of those tunes and then in programme one which will run this week uh, John Green will be joined by some of the big big names in the industry the likes of uh, Frankie Gavin of Day Dannon and Matt Cranage, Jackie Daly and Mary Bergen they'll all talk about their careers and the West Cork family who influenced them so greatly. So that's between the jigs and the reels. Programme one 
goes out on this Sunday evening at uh, 7 here on C103. It'll be right after the uh, Camogie final when hopefully we'll be celebrating the girls and their win and that's on where the road uh, takes me. And then kicking off on Monday, which is the bank holiday Monday right across next week is the Daniel Corkery uh, summer school. It's held every year in Inchigila and it runs next Monday to Thursday. And someone has very kindly sent me in uh, the programme of events. So just to give a quick mention, if you're going to the Daniel Corkery summer school, are you looking for something nice to do next week? Credence Hotel in Inchigila will be the place to uh, be. On Monday, it is the Hidden Ireland. This is a tribute to Art O'Leary and the lecture will be given by Helen. Helen Hallisey, that's at eight o'clock on Monday. And then we move to Tuesday again in Credence Hotel. Prisoner 1082, it's Escape from the Crumlin Road Jail. And that's going to be a film and a talk by Donal Donnelly. And then on Wednesday in the venue will be the Lee Valley Store. And they're having a concert which will be performed by Corka Dorka. And it's Beethoven's Irish Songs. And then Thursday, the final day of the Daniel Corkery Summer School. Again, the venue will be the Lee Valley Store in Inchigila. And it is a drama performed by the Clare Clares. And the drama is Lovers, Winners and Losers. And of course, that is a drama by Brian Friel. So good luck to everybody involved in Inchigila next week, all part of the Jan- Jan- Daniel Corkery uh, Summer uh, School. And of course, Daniel Corkery loved uh, Inchigila and found inspiration in the parish uh, from both its inhabitants and in uh, the hills. We're going to take a break. We have news at 12 coming up. We're going to be talking movies with Mark in the next hour and the two big movies. He went along to see both Barbie and he went along to see Oppenheimer. And we're also talking about the return of Neighbours. When you were Neighbours fan, Neighbours is coming back. We'll have all the goss all coming up. Final day for us to give away a pair of tickets to the Gork Opera House, Lord of the Dance. It is opening as part of its... 25th anniversary tour opening next Wednesday at the Cork Opera House Wednesday the 9th of August and it runs for five nights. Would you like to win a pair of tickets to the show which has got new staging, new costumes, new choreography plus cutting edge technology. Sounds like it's going to be a fantastic show. So we need to get a winner for the tickets for a pair of uh, tickets and then we'll put our five winners names into a hat and see who gets the prize upgraded to a hotel stay and dinner. So our final question to win a pair of tickets. What televised competition did Michael Flatley perform at the intermission in? Was it A, the Eurovision Song Contest or was it B, the X Factor? What televised competition did we first come across Michael Flatley when he performed at the intermission? A, the Eurovision Song Contest or B, the X Factor. So you know what to do now. You need to text either A or B. You must put your name and address on it as well, please. Get it in by text or by WhatsApp to 86 103 and get moving on that because we need to get today's winner of the tickets so that we can do a subsequent draw to find out who's getting the prize upgraded with a hotel stay and uh, dinner. Get texting, was it A, the Eurovision or B, the X uh, Factor 086 103103. Let me take a look at some of your calls and commentary uh, coming in. Dan in Rathmore is wondering if other people notice this or not. He travels the Limerick to Mallow Road regularly and he's noticed that there has been some recent roadworks. He says as you come down the hill 
heading from New Tupot House and going towards the Mallow Hospital Junction. So there's been some resurfacing work done there on patches. However, according to Dan, he says the resurfacing he reckons it was so poorly done that when you're travelling at speed, the cars are avoiding the patches and then they're swerving to avoid them. And we know that can really, really be a dangerous, dangerous thing to do. Uh, he's wondering how can Cork County Council or the NRA, whoever was responsible, allow such poor work on a national uh, road. He's wondering if other listeners have noticed it as well. Of late, some work that was carried out, New Tupot House Hill, leading from New Tupot House down towards Mallow hospital entrance. I've been on that road I'll have to keep a close eye out I don't know if I've noticed it or or not but I've been on the road a lot, that particular stretch a lot lately I'll keep a look the next time I'm on it. Uh, Dan anybody else notice that? He certainly has noticed cars are absolutely avoiding it. On water water must be kept as our own entity. Everything that has been fought for has been sold off to corporate bodies thanks to uh, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael governments over the years and now we're getting charged for everything. On dog fouling, hi Patricia, I'm just back from a walk in the wonderful Donnerell Park. I met three different dog poos all on one track. I met four people with dogs on that stretch and I could tell from the dog poo it wasn't there that long so it had to be some of the owners of that those dogs. Absolutely disgusting but no, none of them made any attempt uh, to pick it up. And then Pat in Dohalo was on to say he was in Sydney a few years ago and he says the council have bins with plastic bags attached so if you don't bring your own bag they're there for you. He also said there's lots of bins to dispose of when you pick up after your dog and that's the problem here in this country. We don't have enough receptacles in order to put the dog uh, um, poo into. And actually I was in Melbourne a few years ago uh, Pat and over there when you go out to walk with your dogs you must have your bags on you and you can actually be fined not for not picking up after your dog but you can be fined if you don't have the means to pick up after your dog and I was out my sister-in-law has uh, has a little dog and uh, we were out many occasions and at least twice while I was with her we were stopped by a dog warden to say where, where are your bags and she had to show that she had her bags and I said if you didn't have the bags what would have happened and she said it's an on the spot fine so that, that'll put manners on you and I have to say couldn't see any evidence of anyone leaving their dog dirt behind they were all very much aware of it and very much aware of on the spot fines and very much uh, you know aware that there was there was dog wardens out and I think therein lies the problem we just don't have enough dog wardens to go out there and do the work that is needed 0818103103 so Mike in Bantry says Patricia I've just put out my cork flag for the cork camogie team and in particular for Libby uh, Coppinger so well done uh, Mike please if you have any of those flags and lots of people have those flags please please put them out to support the girls for uh, Sunday. Now, there was a couple of people on to us earlier and I just didn't get around to it. Let's see if I can see any of the texts or there were WhatsApps actually that came in earlier on. Tommy McCroom was one of them saying, Patricia, I'm seeing that COVID-19 is back in the headlines again. It seems that some people are being hospitalised again recently. I'm wondering, could you, your team, find out? Should we be worried uh, about this? Thankfully, I didn't, haven't got COVID in the past three years, but I'd like to know what you or your other listeners uh, think. Yeah, there is a kind of a slight uh, spike in uh, COVID. Where have I got the information on this? Oh, it's here. Okay, um, this is the HSE. They say it's currently seeing an increase in COVID-19 infections and it's causing hospital admissions. And I suppose this is the reason that it's making headlines. It says indicators have been trending downwards during May and June, 
but they started to increase again at the end of June and right the month out throughout the month of July. Now, seemingly a very similar trend is occurring in the UK, so we're not unique in this. The HSE say there's no significant increase in infection severity has been observed in Ireland, so that's kind of the good news. But it says the number of patients in ICU with COVID-19 infection did increase slightly during during July, July, but it still remains low. For example, the figures are as of this, so this is this morning, as of yesterday morning, there was 10 patients in ICU with COVID-19 and that was compared to three patients at the start of uh, July. Uh, but the HSE says, as in previous waves, and they are accepting this as a wave, if COVID-19 case numbers increase substantially, some level of increased hospital and ICU admissions is likely to occur. Now, there has been outbreaks at some hospitals and that's the reason I think it's getting so much publicity because obviously warnings have had to go out to people in the various areas. For example, St. Luke's Hospital in Kilkenny, they're dealing with an outbreak of COVID-19 and because of that, they've temporarily suspended uh, visiting. There has also been outbreaks on inpatient wards at University Hospital uh, Limerick and earlier this week, University Hospital Galway said they're dealing with a COVID um, outbreak in their hospital and they've got visitor restrictions in place as well. And I know Philney Hay on behalf of the INMO, she was meeting with the HSE to, to discuss the outbreaks because, you know, they want to make sure that they are prepared for it. But it's kind of like it's a bit of a, a summer run on uh, COVID-19. I was uh, reading, I was trying to get my hands on some figures on it. For example, the figures are there were 419 cases of COVID-19 report, reported over the previous week. Now, it is a 51% increase compared to the previous uh, week but still the numbers are low. But yes, COVID is out and about. But then I was watching and hearing Monaghan GP, uh, Leona Duffy, she was saying she and other general practitioners were absolutely seeing high numbers of COVID-19 cases and that people were experiencing symptoms. And she said the difficulty is obviously we know uh, all of this is underreported because there's no formal testing anymore. The main testing that's occurring will be in hospital settings and it's been reported that definitely there is a rise in numbers there. So when you hear of 419 cases of COVID reported, that's actually what was in the hospital because people are not they're not testing out in the community anymore it's up to people obviously if they have their own antigen tests uh, to test and I know Dr Leona Duffy uh, said the rising cases was affecting staff in some practices like she, she cited for example one general practice that three members of the team were out with uh, COVID because they all uh, tested positive so there is COVID out and about but the Irish Pharmacy Union uh, say uh, it was aware that COVID cases have started to increase but they they, uh, they say that they're not seeing a significant number of people presenting, you know, people coming in with symptoms of uh, COVID-19. And I don't know if they're seeing an increase in people buying antigen uh, tests. I think it's always handy to have some antigen tests at home. But um, if, if this is just going to be a summer wave. But the good news is that... Um, 
you know, for most people, they're not getting unwell. Uh, so it, it, it can be a case for some that the, the immunity will start to wane and people are going to need to get boosters, etc. But overall, the, the, the trend is similar to what's happening in England. There is no new variant of SARS that's been identified. So that's good. So they're saying that the vaccines should hold up, but there will be a waning of vaccines and people will need to start getting boosters. So my answer to you, no, there's nothing really to be worried about, but just take all of the usual precautions. I mean, and obviously if you are and feeling unwell and you do have the symptoms of COVID-19, have the ant- have the antigen test uh, in and uh, test yourself at home. 0818103103. Does John Paul have our winner for us? Let me check the screen to see. No, he doesn't. Okay, we'll go to this. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. The Kinsale Triathlon Club, their five-mile road race is taking place uh, today. Now, places are limited, so you need to sign up through the Kinsale Regatta five-mile Facebook or Instagram pages. Social dancing is on in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic tonight. 9pm to 12 midnight music by Dermot Lines and admission is 10 euro it does include teas bingo is on a Mallow GAA complex tonight 8.15 jackpot 5,500 euro in 48 calls with the lucky number game 520 euro and as Finbar Sheen who does the bingo calling at Mallow has pointed out the lift isn't working at Mallow GAA so if you've got a mobility issues you may need to pass tonight Castletown Bear Festival of the Sea that is open today. It's been launched by the up-and-coming country music singer Effie O'Neill. Fun and games for all the family on this week-long festival. Check out their social media pages for a full list of events. And Kildallery Bingo is on tonight, 8 o'clock in the store at the Creamery Yard. Doors open at 7, eyes down at 8 with a jackpot of €2,100. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Wishing the Rebels the best of luck in the All-Ireland Camogie Final this Sunday. C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. had to be done, didn't it? Because this week Neighbours dropped their first trailer for the relaunch on Amazon Prime, which is happening in September. The popular Aussie soap was dropped last year by the network, but it's making a return now after being picked up by Amazon. Our entertainment correspondent is Crossy, uh, who uh, joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Crossy. What a wild ride that Neighbours has been on, hasn't it? Just been, when you think about it, like when you think about the last 12 months for Neighbours fans, it's over, we're gone, it's it's not coming back. Say goodbye to something that hasn't really happened, you could say, since Brookside. Like what other show has stopped since, like, you know, something that's been on every single day. There's been nothing since Brookside. And And it had had a massive goodbye with that, you know, huge finale. Now, this is the thing that I love. This is the juicy part. 
So who knew what? When did they find out? What happened? Because they had this crazy goodbye, which was, I think, beautiful. There were characters coming back. There were characters coming back from the dead. They were appearing as ghosts. All these things were happening in it. And you were kind of going, well, this isn't this, you know, if it's going to go, it's going to go out with a bang. It tied up a lot of, you know, a lot of questions that people had, you know, will such and such get together? Who will get married? Who will come back? And this isn't really a spoiler, but everyone knows that Jason Donovan and Kylie Minogue came back together. And I think at the time there was this mad thing of why didn't Kylie Minogue talk? Why didn't she talk in the very final episode? I think at one stage someone thought they heard her say something, but it turns out it was someone dubbing over her voice. It was just basically her smiling. So what happened from that's it, you're getting these massive two stars back. And then a couple of months later, well, actually, we've got news for you. We're putting it streaming. It's going to go on uh, Amazon Prime all around the world. And we're coming back. Okay, I've just, heard. Ju- okay, but before that, just remind us, why was it pulled? So in England, so the, it, it, it turns out that Channel 5 in the UK was paying a lot of money to have the show on. I think everyone thought it was really popular in Australia. It was popular in the 90s. The 80s and 90s, it was huge. The noughties, it started to dwindle. The storylines just became a bit too unbelievable for people. And then I think, you know, in about 10 years, the likes of streaming channels and all that sort of stuff started happening. And bit by bit, people stopped being interested in. Channel 5 were looking at their budgets and they were kind of going... We're paying all this money for an Australian soap. And if you actually, if you watched it, if you were a keen fan, you would have noticed a couple of English actors started to appear in it. One, randomly, was Denise Van Outen was in it for about two years. So they were trying to incorporate, you know, English people in it because most of the money was coming from Channel 5. So when Channel 5 decided that, you know, they weren't going to spend more money on it, the Australian chiefs were like, well, we can't go on because we can't really afford it as it is on its own, just for Australia. And that's where it came into trouble. And that's why they had to get rid of it and back think, then, which think, was probably do, a year ago. Do you think Amazon Prime are going to turn its fortunes around? Do you know what? The one thing about Amazon Prime is they have a load of money, a load, a load of money. And the next thing about them is it's going worldwide. So there's going to be a lot of people who watch streaming. You know, there's, there's certain shows on streaming platforms that you'd never would watch. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're there. So you watch and there's like a big backlog of episodes like Grey's Anatomy. Think of Grey's Anatomy. When yeah. people when that went on Disney Plus, people started watching it again because they were like, oh, is that yoke still on? It's been on for 20 years. And I think Neighbours is going to be like that, especially for America. And what they've done is, which is quite interesting, they've introduced an American family into Neighbours, which is going to be happening on the 18th of September. And Misha Barton, who would have been in the OC back in, I'd say, 2003, 2004, they've introduced her. So I think they're trying to start looking at these American audiences and go, oh, hang on a second. There's an American family in it. It's in Australia. It's a different world. This could this could be something. And I, I really think it will. It's the first time a soap has ever gone to a streaming platform. So it, 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 firstly, for a first, it's pretty cool. If it's going to work, I'd like to see it work because they're obviously going to throw every single thing at it. Uh, if you saw the promo that went out during the week. I did, Someone's yeah. getting married. Someone's getting married, but we don't know who it is. Now, we definitely know it's not Kylie Minogue or Jason Donovan <laughs> because apparently Kylie was not happy that she was brought back and then it got revived. So I would, 
I, I don't know. It, it, it's very much, it, they're going to have to do something crazy for us all to go, wow. Okay. And, and I I've got, they will. I've got a quick piece because during the week you caught up with um, Alan Fletcher, who plays Dr. Carroll. And Ryan Maloney, of course, yes. who plays uh, Toady, on uh, how they found out that the show was returning. And you also asked them, did they know who was heading back? And here's what they had to say. Separately, uh, there were four of us were asked to come back on, on day one, and that was myself, Ryan, Jackie and Stefan. And our executive producer, Jason Herbison, made a incredible, he called it the, the, the great race around the suburbs of Melbourne <laughs> to get to all of our houses in one day so that he could, uh, you know, let us know the show was back. He ostensibly was coming around to give us a photo that had been under his desk for some months. Um, and uh, Ryan kind of got a little suspicious, didn't you, when he said he's... Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the area. What's he, he lives in the bush, basically. So, uh, but it was marvelous. It was really exciting to to have that uh, have that that to share that the news with the, um, the you know with four of us um, all all knowing, so we could get together and have a little wee celebration on the Saturday. Well, we don't know very much about uh, structurally about the show or, or storylines. No, nothing. Really they're, nothing. They're keeping them under wraps. The, I do know that the neighbours that comes back will be the neighbours that people have the affection and love for. Um, that will be honoured because that's the most important thing. It was actually the fans that got the show back in the first place. I mean, Amazon have said to us that they saw the outpouring of grief. They saw the petitions. They saw how many people were saying, no, this can't happen. And that's fantastic because it, 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 it stimulated the recovery. Having been on networks for so long um, and, you know, I'd say definitely over the last 10 years, all we've really heard from a network's executives is that, you know, the numbers aren't great because people aren't watching TV how they used to watch it. Mm. Um, and people are moving to streaming services. So I think it's actually, I mean, we're the first and, you know, I'm really, really excited for us to be able to supply the show how people watch it mm. um and i think it just kind of makes sense so well, it's, yeah. also, it's okay the, the big thing for us is it's going to broaden our audience significantly because we will now be shown nationwide in the united states and we will be shown in canada okay and it's it, it really is proving and you know the two boys are saying it it's people power one out on this one grassy yeah i think so i think people forgot about it does that make sense? I think people kind of knew it was there, but they they kind of lost the love for it. And when they announced that they were getting getting rid of it, people went, oh, hang on, this is back on again. And they started watching it yeah. in the hope that Channel 5 would change their minds and all of a sudden they'll keep it on. This is probably the better outcome, I think. You know, everyone got the retro episode. Everyone got the episode where all these characters came back. And now they've got the Amazon Prime money. It's like, where else can they go? What else can they do? Uh, I know they're going to, it's going to be on a network in Australia. I'm almost sure RT2 are going to be showing it as well. But around the world, you can watch it on Prime. It's going to be the 18th of September it's going to be on. And it's kind of the main characters who, like you heard from um, the two guys there who played Dr. Carl. Susan's back as well. Uh, Toady. Toady's other half is back in it. Um, Paul and I think it's Steph was the name of the lady that he was with so they've got all the key characters back that they wanted they've added in a couple of animals like I think neighbours <laughs> back in the day they have a dog back in the day that was big <laughs> was there a, it, it, it's something ra- it, anyway, whatever this dog is this dog is a hat tip to whatever dog was in it back in the 80s and 90s <laughs> I have to fess up and say I was a home and away fan 
Oh, do you know what? I was a home and away fan as well. And I remember doing my homework every day at half five. They used to show neighbours. And, and, it, and I would do bay. everything that I would do not to watch, not to do it. But do you know what I find really weird? With the amount of Irish people that are in Australia, how has there not been an Irish character yeah. in Neighbours yeah, or yeah. in Home and Away? Yeah, true, true. Somebody wants to know, is it going to be five days a week? Yes, yes, it's going to be five days a week. They've been in, they've been in production since April, so they have got a lot of episodes. And I know now on Amazon Prime, if you want to go watch it, they've all the back catalogue. So if you wanted to watch a Kylie and Jason get married, I remember that episode. And was that 1986 or 1987? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the second biggest thing watched on the BBC that year. Yeah, it was huge. Like the it second was... biggest thing, an afternoon TV show of two people getting married in Australia. Like crazy, like thirty. In Australia, yeah. 30 million people watch it. It's crazy. And actually, Google, but yeah, it, it's kind of cool. Google, was, as we know, was celebrating their 20 years uh, in Ireland this year. And actually, uh, Australian soaps was one of the most searched topics over the 20 years. So there has been a big love about Australian soaps. And the one thing that we can never take away from Neighbours is the amount of big stars that that programme helped to launch. Oh, stop. So many people. Like, even look at, like, the most recent as uh, Margot Robbie, who's yeah. starring in Barbie now. Margot came from Neighbours. Yeah. Um, Holly Valance, uh, she had that song Kiss Kiss. Uh, she was huge back in the mid-noughties. Delta Goodrum, who was playing in Ireland in about two weeks' time. Remember, she was married to Brian McFadden yeah, and she had a couple of songs out. Her as well. But there's so many. There's so Ru- many. And- Russell Crowe, all the Hemsworths, including Chris, Guy Pearce and, yes. and Natalie Imbruglia. The list, if you actually just do a Google search of stars that came out of Neighbours, it's a big, big, massive, long list. So it has been a launch pad. Now, here's the thing about Guy Pearce. So Guy Pearce <sighs> came back for the last couple of episodes of the last of, you know, of the last couple of episodes of Neighbours. And he got with um, the character that he's always, you know, will they, won't they back in the day. Yeah. Oh God! Whatever that lady's name is, in the promo video, that lady is back, but Guy Pierce is not back. <laughs> but they drove off into the sunset together. So there's going to be a lot of how are we going to get ourselves out of this mess okay. to get us back to pre we're closing down. Okay. So that will be interesting to watch as well. Okay, and it'll all be down to the, the script writers, and let's hope that they bring realistic stories that will uh, hold people in. Uh, listen, Crossy, thank you for that. I did notice on social media yesterday you were complaining that you've got a cough that you can't shake. Four weeks. Four I'm weeks. calling it Colin the cough. Oh, okay. It is just, it is... Uh, I have to do a few TV things and I've, like, I'm like i on the six o'clock show tonight. Watch the corner of the sofa tonight and you will see a bottle of water with God knows what in it. I am doing home remedies. I am doing medicine. I am jumping into the sea. I'm, I'm doing everything. Four weeks and okay, I have a cough I, and I, I can't I'm, get rid of it. I'm going to tell you now what you oh. do. You, you, you've got to get yourself into a health store and you're looking for something by uh, Dr. Delish Clare and you're looking for a product called Mucotone. We absolutely Mucotone. swear by it, but it's only by Dr. Delish Clare. Your problem is going to be in Dublin finding stockists because you can buy it online, but your problem is there are a couple of stockists in Dublin, but Dr. Delish Clare, wonder, it'll sort out your cough. 
and you can come back and thank us I need later. to do it this weekend. Okay, yeah, all right. I'm, every, thank you very okay, much. And a pleasure as always. Mind yourself. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is the wonderful uh, Crossy, our entertainment uh, correspondent. 0818 uh, 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text our uh, WhatsApp to 086 103 103. Going to take a break though and we're back talking about the big movies out of the moment. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Before we go to the movies with Mark Malone, can I just send some people to Lord of the uh, Dance at the Opera House opening next Wednesday, five night run. Our winner today is uh, Mags O'Neill in Carrigaline. Congratulations, Mags. Uh, correctly telling us the Eurovision Song Contest is where Michael Flatley performed. And all five names have gone into the hatch. John Paul has made the draw. And the overall winner of the hotel stay dinner, along with the tickets, is Christine Harrington from Banan Bridge. Congratulations, Christine Harrington from Ananbridge, who picked up her tickets earlier on in the week. Mark Malone is with us. Good afternoon, Mark. Hiya. And I was bemoaning the fact that you had a few days off this day last week because I <laughs> wanted to talk to you about Barbie. So you went along, you saw Barbie and you saw Oppenheimer. Here is a trailer from Barbie. Where are we? This is Barbie land. Are we going to get small like doll size or are Barbies our size? Yes. Basically everything that men do in your world, women do in ours. The president's here. I am, you're welcome. Barbie is a doctor and a lawyer. And it's so much more than that. Ah! Help me discontinue her. Hi, Barbie. There are Kens too. There are many Kens. Where do the Kens stay? I love you too. I don't know. Is Barbie, if you still in doubt? Oh, I didn't realise that. The, is that song in it? I'm a Barbie girl in the Barbie world. Oh, it is, yeah, it's yeah, a, but yeah. it's not that version, I think. Oh, yeah, it is that version, actually, because it? yeah. it's a remix version. Yeah, it is. Because that's one of those earworm songs, so once yeah. you get it into your head, you, you can't stop singing it. Exactly. Okay, tell us all about it. So it's Barbenheimer, so basically, which became a big, big thing in the United States, of course. You didn't just go to one, you went to two uh, at the same time. So you went to see uh, two hours of Barbie, and then you went to see three hours of Oppenheimer. And people, loads of people did that in the Yeah, they day. did, yeah. Yeah, lunch uh, and then back in again. Exactly, yeah. No, I didn't do that. I went okay. to separate days because the thought of uh, five hours on my bottom in a cinema didn't particularly fill me with too much pleasure but uh, I have watched uh, both of them and both of them I enjoyed very very much indeed now the thing about um, um, if when, when this film was first uh, kind of spoken about and first uh, we, we first began to hear about Barbie and we, we saw the first trailer uh, some time back it looked as though it was a film that was all going to be about uh, Barbie uh, I think the tagline was if you love Barbie if you hate Barbie you're going to love this film yeah. and the thing is we because you know there were songs in, in the trailer and it's all pink and it looks really, really a lot of fun. And everybody thought that that's what the movie was going to be about. Now, obviously, Greta Gerwig, the director here, obviously basically swore everybody to secrecy and said, do not talk about what this film is actually really about because what this film is actually about is sexual politics. Uh, This is a feminist movie and it's about uh, Barbie. And it has upset an awful lot of gentlemen in the world who have gotten very upset by this. Uh, A lot of uh, well-known people as well. I saw a two-page spread in one of the papers last week, a particular gentleman who will go nameless, but didn't particularly like it at all. Said, loads, of com- loads of people getting really deep about this movie. Yeah, he says it's uh, it's um, it's sexist and it's anti-man, he said. And there's a lot of websites that I use, populated by men in their 30s and 40s whose favourite films are Star Wars and uh, who don't particularly like it as well and were deeply, deeply offended uh, by the film. And you know something? They need to get over themselves. Yeah, get a life, folks. Exactly. Get a life. Uh, so we meet uh, Barbie. 
Living in the Barbie world, uh, Margot Robbie has Barbie. Her Barbie, and she's stereotypical Barbie, by the way. So she's the Barbie that, if she was a real woman, she wouldn't be able to stand up straight, uh, you know, and spend, uh, you know, uh, and because her feet are pointed. Be- exactly, and also because use, particular yeah. parts of her body are bigger than others, and so therefore oh. she wouldn't physically, biologically, be able to actually stand up straight because of it. And uh, she is in Barbie world and having a great life and loving Barbie world. She's surrounded by all the other Barbies. There are so many other. There's physicist Barbie. There's uh, there's President Barbie, uh, there's Judge Barbie, there's Solicitor Barbie, and then uh, there are the Kens. And the Kens are basically just, well, well they're Kens, you know what I mean? And um, they're kind of almost like an afterthought because this is the matriarchy, uh, as opposed to the patriarchy, it's the matriarchy. And they are in control of, uh, of Barbie land. And as I say, Barbie's having a wonderful uh, life. Then one morning she wakes up and she has these feelings of kind of depression. She feels a little bit down in herself. And all of a sudden she feels that uh, her feet are flat uh, along the ground. And, uh, and she has a bit of cellulite as well on her thighs. And she's thinking, goodness gracious me, what's happening here? But apparently what's happening is that um, the Barbies react in Barbie world as they're being played in the real world by their owners. Oh. And so therefore, what basically happens is she goes to um, to Kate McKinnon, who plays weird Barbie in this film, and she says, what's happening? And so um, Kate says, look, you've got to go into the real world because there, obviously, your owner has these thoughts which she's projecting on you. You've got to go, you've got to meet her, and you've got to find out what exactly is wrong with her. So her owner is growing up, basically. Exactly, yeah, yes, yeah. and has these thoughts and, uh, yeah. and, and, is, um, and has these same kind of uh, bodily... Has cellulite. Exactly. And uh, so she decides to go to the real world. And um, But uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken decides to hijack the car and, and also um, and uh, goes along with her. And then they come into the real world, which is basically 2023 in Los Angeles. And that is the patriarchy. And uh, men are in completely in control of this. And this is where I think a lot of men have difficulty with this particular scene because this is where Greta Gerwig kind of turns up the misogyny because um, within the first couple of seconds of being in the real world... Um, Margot Robbie has her bottom slapped and an awful lot of men making an awful lot of really, really horrible, lewd uh, comments to them. On the other hand, though, Ryan Gosling is suddenly deciding, men rule this world because in the Barbie land, we're nothing. Yeah. And he loves this. And he's like, this is amazing. This is uh, really, really is for me. Uh, Barbie ends up going to uh, the Mattel offices. Now, the, to be fair to Mattel, Mattel are willing to allow themselves to be kind of ridiculed in this film. But at the okay. same time, they know that they're, they're going to make they're an awful lot, lot of money out of this. Yeah. Uh, for example, and so the, another thing that kind of annoyed the, the men that are watching the film is that the Mattel board are basically all white men in suits which is not true but you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. Uh, and so there's an awful lot of this uh, happening uh, throughout the film but look it's satire and it's good fun and it's beautiful to look at and you know Greta, bright and pink it is indeed it's all of those things while it's at the same time making a lot of political points which is what yeah. Greta Gerwig is doing so because of that I don't know some people certainly some men might be offended by that some people might decide well look you know that's not the kind of film I want to bring my kids to um, there were there was a woman with a couple of boys in the cinema and they were lost. I mean, they were, I think it's got a 13 cert because there are sexual references because as we know with dolls, particular parts don't exist and so there's kind yeah. of references uh, to that as well. Those two little boys were just lost. I think if... Um, if you were to make a film uh, that is perfect for mothers and daughters, uh, this is the film. And uh, whether or not you agree with the politics of it is not the point. It's very, very entertaining, I think. And uh, Ryan Gosling is great. Margot Robbie is great. The songs are great. It looks amazing. And I really liked it. I liked it very much indeed. I thought uh, it was absolutely true. I mean, I read only this morning it's uh, 80... No, $800 million. It's made an enormous amount of money. And the other thing I've noticed is everywhere I go, all Barbie items are on sale and... 
I met a woman coming out of a supermarket and she had a little one with her and she was leading down with Barbie. So it's all about Barbie, isn't it, at the moment? She said, oh, don't be talking to me. <laughs> so they're, the spin-off from the merchandise yeah. as well. And I think Mattel knew that, which is why they were you know, willing to be ridiculed yeah. as they were in, in the film. Well, well done, but yeah, all in all. And actually somebody last week when they thought that you were going, we were going to be talking about it um, sent in, and, and I just can't find the text now, but sent in a lovely text saying they'd go along to see it and she noticed one of the songs from it is a Mama Cass song mm-hmm. and she just thought with everything that Mama Cass went through with her size and everything she thought it was lovely that a Mama Cass song featured Yeah and this, the, the, you know, the soundtrack is terrific is and, and all yeah. the songs mean something I mean they're all telling a story and um, yeah so look for me it's a triumph I think, it, it, okay, I think well it's done. excellent and uh, for men to get upset about it well, and right. getting their boxes in a twist uh, grow up guys come <laughs> on yeah. Mark out of 10 I'll give it 8 8 out of 10 ok and then the other big one of course obviously the Killian Murphy uh, Oppenheimer yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, completely different. Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, talk about chalk and cheese, but people are going to both of them. And I think okay, one of the reasons uh, that I'm told is that you know I mentioned that this summer has been a flop buster, as they're calling it in yeah. Hollywood, especially Disney films. Disney have had a really, really bad year. Um, you know, Indiana Jones didn't make any of the kind of m- m- money that they thought it was going to, and even the um, Mission Impossible film, when you consider it's a great movie, hasn't made as much money as they expected. And so because of I think. Um, uh, Barbie and people going to Oppenheimer as well as Barbie because people want to see they're, they're, they're kind of fed up with uh, remakes they're kind of fed up with IPs and they want to see something original now I know that there's been some animated Barbie movies in the past uh, but they want to see something new and original and it's the same here with Oppen- Oppenheimer they want to see proper filming and proper films and I think this is a lesson to uh, uh, to Hollywood to kind of wake up and realise that people want something different they want something new and something original and this is uh, de- written and directed by uh, Christopher Nolan whose films in the past I think have been very very complicated indeed and this does have a three-hour uh, running time. Keep that in mind. And um, it is rather bloated at times as well, but that, but because it's Christopher Nolan, not only is it incredibly complicated, not only does he mess with time as usual in the film, there's incredible detail. He's big into detail and the story of Oppenheimer. Um, the... Um, and the story is it's, it's one it's, of these movies that you really need to concentrate very much so yeah okay. because there's an awful lot because he's big into his kind of technical details he's, he's almost got, kind of got an OCD kind of uh, you know um, um, imagine uh, this kind of he just imagines everything and the detail of the whole story and he wants to put it all on screen and unfortunately that's why it's uh, three hours long which is too long it could have been done in two hours it's about Robert uh, Oppenheimer and uh, his um, his work on the atomic bomb uh, back in the he made an awful lot of enemies along the way, and especially the uh, head of the Atomic Energy Commission, a guy by the name of Louis Strauss, who really didn't like him at all. And so the film, instead of flashbacks, it actually flashes forward and then is in black and white, uh, the hearings after the war, uh, where uh, the where Louis Strauss tries to undermine uh, Robert uh, Oppenheimer and reduce his uh, security clearance, which, by the way, was only just reinstated posthumously uh, last year. Um, and the, the best part of the film, though, is... is is they're going out in the desert, um, re- uh, creating this village there with some of the best minds of the world to create this bomb, which, of course, Oppenheimer then regretted afterwards, of course, and tried to, to do his very best to um, uh, to reduce uh, the amount of uh, nuclear uh, energy uh, bombs in the world and uh, try to kind of recommend uh, talks with uh, the Soviets, uh, which uh, also made him unpopular as well amongst uh, some parts of American society who saw him because he had some communist leanings and because he, he 
had some left-wing leanings, tried to undermine him uh, and his work. So that section in the middle, I think, in the lead up to the bombs is probably the best of it. Unfortunately, then there's another hour after that, uh, which um, uh, concentrates on those uh, hearings, which I think is a bit of a shame. The other thing I didn't particularly like about it was the, the women and the way women are portrayed in the film, because it's, um, it's got an R rating, I think it's about 15 or 16, and, um, and especially the character of uh, Florence Pugh, who plays uh, this character, Jean Tatlock, she's naked throughout most of the film, and I don't know why. I mean, it was completely unnecessary, and I thought we'd gone past that, and its treatment... Especially of, yeah. for a movie and what it's about. Exactly, yeah. There yeah. are scenes where uh, she and Killian Murphy are just sitting around naked. Why? Just having normal conversations. It makes no, absolutely no sense, and so therefore, and that kind of annoyed me ever so sli- slightly. Um, everything is overwrought, I think, and, and over the top, and even some of the, 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 the performances. Murphy is great, though. Killian Murphy is great. Is he, os- is he Oscar? Robert? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He'll, he'll not be nominated. I think he'll win it. Will he is really great. extraordinary. But everybody's great in it. Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr. is extraordinary. Florence, Florence Pugh. Great cast. It's a very, very long, complicated movie, but it's worth your while. And he loses. He lost a lot of weight, didn't he, to... Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, we yeah. were talking about that. Yeah. Was it in Amanda Day and or something? And can you see it on screen? Uh, you can see it on screen, you, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. I saw an interview, actually, with Oppenheimer recently, and he does look very, very like him. It, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and because, yeah, he, 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 he was so concentrated on it, Oppenheimer, he used to forget to eat, but it was just the lengths that uh, actors go today. It's, it's incredible. There's really no need for it. But anyway, maybe there is. Yeah, it's a market out of 10? I'll give it eight as well. Eight out of 10. Yeah. Okay, but prepare for a long sit-in because it's three hours exactly. long. Okay, Mark, as always, thank you for that. We'll chat again next week. That is uh, Mark Malone, our uh, movie uh, reviewer. 0818103103. Karen in... Atta- oh, this is lovely texting from Karen in Tallow. To say, Patricia, myself and my husband are travelling to the Cork Waterford final on Sunday. We are Cork supporters. Can I give a public shout out and a thank you to the Mellory Waterford bus for letting us travel with them? It will be mighty crack. It will uh, indeed. And as I said earlier on when I was speaking with the Waterford uh, councillor, made the best team win. That's where I wrap it up uh, today on the Friday of a bank holiday weekend and on the Friday of an All-Ireland final. The very, very best of luck to the Cork team who are going for their 29th title. We wish them nothing but luck on Sunday. Okay, thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Enjoy your bank holiday weekend. Try to to stay dry and hopefully some sun will shine. Talk to you on Tuesday. On C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.